902 Brewing Company is the official beer of the Wager Pager podcast. Our friends over at 902 are putting out some of the best local craft beer in the Garden State. Log on to 902brewing.com to check out some of our favorite beers, like Juicy City IPA and Path Pale Ale. Or come grab a growler at the 902 Brewing Company tap room opening soon on Pacific Avenue in Jersey City, New Jersey. Are you tired of losing at sports betting? Start winning with Kingpin.pro. With Kingpin.pro, you can follow proven sports bettors and handicappers. Each user is required to put in their picks prior to each game. Kingpin scores and ranks users for total winnings, not units, as well as win percentage. This gives you, the sports better, the ability to follow not just winning cappers, but more importantly, consistent winning cappers. You can easily get instant notifications of picks by downloading the Kingpin.pro iOS or Google Play app. Download the app and register with promo code WAGER. That's promo code WAGER, and you'll get a 10% discount off your purchase. Get pumped, get psyched. It's the Wager Pager podcast with Chris Rogers and Brock Landers. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Wager Pager Podcast. You guys know what we do. We talk sports gambling, make picks, and conduct must-hear interviews with some of the sharpest minds in the sports betting industry. I'm your host, Chris Rogers. You can follow me on Twitter, at WagerPagerChris, and please follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter, at the Wager Pager. This is Season 2, Episode 22, recording live from Van Voorst Film Studio here in Hoboken, New Jersey. That's right. We're coming to you from the mecca of sports gambling, our home state of New Jersey that won the Supreme Court battle and made the regulation of sports betting all possible. We are pumped up for this episode, guys. We're kicking off our XFL coverage here, and we have some really cool guests this week. We have XFL social media editor Bailey Carlin hopping on the pod. This dude is crazy. The uh, content he's putting out there is really helping the league grow. Can't wait to talk to him. And we got running back Kenneth Farrow and tight end Colin Jeter from the Seattle Dragons calling into the show. But first, joining me, my co-host, one of the sharpest gamblers I know, my guy with 19 New Jersey betting outs and someone who knows his way around the sports book. Here he is, the Rolando Blackman of Gambling Twitter, Brock Landers. Hey, Chris, what's going on? Good to be back here, and what a tremendous introduction as usual, keeping up with the Maverick theme for me. Uh, yeah, retired number. I can't do much better than that as a uh, introduction. Rolando Blackman, first Panamanian-born NBA player in the league. Born in Panama City, but raised in Brooklyn since age eight. Played at K-State, drafted number nine overall in 1981 by the Mavs. Four-time NBA All-Star. Played most of his career in Dallas, but spent some time with the Knicks. Yeah, unfortunately, he didn't do uh, much winning in uh, Dallas uh, back in those 80s days. But uh, yeah, retired number 22 and uh, definitely a Mavericks great. Pat Riley once admitted that sitting Rolando Blackman in favor of John Starks during Game 6 and 7 of the 1994 NBA Finals 
was the biggest coaching mistake in his career and that he's never forgiven himself for it. Me neither, Pat. I haven't forgiven you either, my friend. <laughs> Starks, famously bad in Game 7, was 2 for 18, missing all 11 three-point attempts. Yes, who could forget that? And uh, for Pat Riley to say that, that's uh, yeah, pretty nice distinction if you're uh, Mr. Mr. Blackman. All right, moving on here. Uh, college hoops is just around the corner, Mr. Landers. How you feeling? Are you ready for some March Madness? I am, Chris. You know, uh, there's a lot of teams this year that seem like uh, they could really, you know, make some noise here in the tournament. And, uh, you know, it's just so up and down this year. There's a lot of teams, a lot of schools that a lot of people aren't very familiar with that are very highly ranked. Dayton, the Uh, Flyers. Yeah, Dayton Flyers look really good. San Diego State. San Diego State. Those guys are playing great. Uh, Gonzaga. Gonzaga's always there. Uh, Baylor keeps steamrolling people. Uh, they and look good. Covering. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a really good tournament. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of interesting. I'm even hearing some talk about Liberty, the Flames. Yeah. It could be going deep in the tourney, some people say. Yeah, it could be one of those really strange, uh, you know, which is good, I feel like. You know, we love March Madness as it is. So the more funky uh, upsets that we get, the better, you know? Dude, I think maybe maybe 10 teams could win it all. Yeah, it's just wide open. I, I think we're going to really get a lot of good value on some of these teams, too, as uh, we get closer to right before the the, the tournament tips. we got to get in some of those futures bets. Did you ever get anything down on on the hall yet? I, I, I did yet not. I had to find a, an outlet to put in my Rutgers bet. Yeah, I did not, and uh, they, they've been sliding here a couple games uh, last couple weeks and playing right now as we record this. So, uh, yeah, it's better for the odds. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> what I'm hoping. That's what we'll keep saying. Uh, but yeah, we'll see, man. Uh, maybe we'll get down there, Atlantic City, uh, opening weekend, second weekend, something like that. We might have to uh, put that on the agenda. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to go back to AC. I was there for Super Bowl and a lot of cool books, a lot of places I wasn't, uh, I, I hadn't been able to get to. I was able to hit those Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, pretty cool. A lot of a lot of good stuff going down there on the boardwalk. All right. Uh, also, I'm sure you're very happy. Uh, pitchers and catchers have reported baseball season is nearing. How are you feeling? Oh, Chris, I could go off probably on like a 20-minute rant right now about how pumped up I am for baseball. Uh, with all this Astro stuff going on, it's bzz, just crazy. <laughs> it's just crazier by the day. I mean, uh, you know, the, the players' union, these guys are coming out every day just attacking these guys. And, you know, I mean, the commissioner is involved. And, you mm. know, it's just one thing after another. And I just can't wait for it to all begin and really see how this season unfolds. It's going to be very interesting. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be getting into games here shortly. Uh, can't wait to get down there. I'll be there for um, my Marlins home opener nice, the end of March. Nice. Yeah. Side note, got it actually got me out of uh, a possible trial uh, oh, no. today at jury duty. <laughs> yeah, there was a whole list of uh, court dates that were expected, and uh, they said unless you have some sort of an excuse or whatever, I showed them my uh, my airfare to go down there and got out of it. So the Miami Marlins, if one thing goes well this season, got me out of uh, some jury duty. There you go. Fuck jury duty, man. <laughs> um, Nick Markakis, speaking of the Astros con- uh, controversy, throwing down the hard line. Yes. Saying, uh, I think, quote, unquote, they should all get a good beating over there in Houston, something like that. Uh, I love that. I love this people coming out and saying, you know, what they yeah. did was wrong. And, it, and it, you know, everyone in baseball players have been known to, you know, push the envelope a little bit in a lot of areas in the game. But this... This time, 
using technology, using buzzers under the shirt. Yeah, it's it's just a really bizarre story, and it's just weird to see all the twists and turns that have been coming out of it. I mean, and this this thing is going to linger all year. Uh, we still haven't heard anything about the whole Red Sox investigation, so that's going to drop eventually. And from a betting standpoint, we've got this year a prop. How many times will the Houston Astros be hit? I've been running this model now uh, for a couple <laughs> couple nights here, what sleepless it, nights. Eighty three and a half. Eighty three and a half, and. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting because you're going to get to a point where take the under. It Come on, it can't be blatantly obvious that it's going to be like a hundred. You know right. what I mean? Like I feel like the league's going to step in. I mean, but crazy, crazy that we're we're talking about about things like that. And you know, like you said, Marcakis is one of these dudes too. He's been in the league for a very long time. Very consistent, quiet dude. And, you know, these guys, no filter in spring training. They're yeah. coming out, guns blazing. They're ready to punch and fight and kick. And, uh, you know, it's good. It's good, I think, that we're getting more publicity for baseball. But, unfortunately, it's for the wrong reasons, which I don't like. Um, and even look at Mike Trout. Mike Trout's like the face of baseball right yep. now. Yep. And that guy hardly says anything. And he comes out, and he's got a problem with uh, the way things are going. So very interesting to see this whole Houston versus the rest of the MLB uh, theme as we get into uh, the beginning of the season. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of back in the day with the whole uh, Miami Heat being like the villains, you know, something like that. Uh, it should be fun to follow throughout the baseball season. But moving forward, guys, this is why we're here. This is why we're back. This is our official XFL kickoff show. I am super pumped up about the XFL. Brock knows I'm a freaking XFL nerd. I've you've been, been talking on about it, all, it on Twitter yeah. for like two months. You've been talking and hyping it up, and you've been loving it for you know weeks and weeks here. And well, let's let's just get it out there real quick. We're two weeks in. What's your feelings? Is it lived up to everything you were hoping? It has not disappointed, my friend. Uh, surprisingly good play on the field. Um, let's everyone remember this is not the NFL, but uh, surprisingly good play on the field. You have three of the eight quarterbacks really balling out. Cardell Jones from back in the day with Ohio State. He's a little older than the rest of the guys, but he is crushing it. DC Defenders 2-0. Uh, P.J. Walker with the Houston Roughnecks, also 2-0. Right now, definitely the MVP of the league. Has to be the front runner. Guy's been ripping it up. He could be on an NFL team tomorrow, and he might only play one season in the XFL. And Jordan Tamu used to play for Ole Miss in college. Used to love that kid. Used to bet on them all the time. Playing great. The kid is the third leading rusher and third leading passer in the entire league. Very exciting games. There's been some that are high scoring. There's been a few duds, some low scoring ones here and there. But you have to remember these teams have only been playing with each other for like two and a half months. So uh, the product they're putting out on the field has been great. The broadcasting angle that they're coming from has been genius. Yes, for, I've liked that a lot. Yeah. For us, they're, they're coming with the sports gambling angle. They're putting the, the, the spread and the over-under right there on the scoreboard. And not afraid to talk about it. You hear the announcers referencing it. We get a couple live... Uh, you know, look-ins with the graphics as far as what the spreads were and, yep. you know, all that type of stuff. Talking live lines from Caesars on Sunday. Yes. Just amazing stuff, dude. And, uh, you know, the returns have been promising. Week one, uh, the first game on ABC, the D.C. Defenders, 31-19 win over the Seattle Dragons, drew 3.3 million viewers and announced 17,163 crowd at Audi Field in Washington, D.C. Week two brought more of the same, Brock, the Dragons. 
17-9 victory. This is Dragon Weeks, by the way, on the Wager Pager podcast. We have two players from the Seattle Dragons coming on the show later. Uh, Colin Jeter and Kenneth Farrow. But the Dragons in their 17-9 victory over the Tampa Bay Vipers at CenturyLink Field in Seattle brought the largest crowd yet. 29,172 people showed up. Almost 30,000. Almost filled the entire bottom bowl. Wow. Very impressive. And that's such a beautiful field. Uh, I tuned into that game last week, and that place was rocking. Yeah, man. So, uh, you know, with the play of the players, the uh, gambling angle, and then the whole thing with the broadcast on the sidelines with the reporters. Have you seen any of that? Yes. We got like Diana Rossini, Tom Luganbill, uh, you know, Brock Heward, Brock, another, <laughs> another famous Brock, running right up to these players and sticking a microphone in their face right after a touchdown or right after throwing an interception. It's been great. Yeah. I'm curious to know how the guys feel about that uh, aspect of it. Uh, as a fan, it's pretty cool. We saw a lot of controversy. Uh, last week with uh, the Guardians, right? Uh, Matt McGloin had yep. some some words to say, and uh, that yes. kind of sparked a whole outrage I saw on Twitter as well after that. Yes, being interviewed by uh, Diana Rossini of ESPN, friend of the pod. Uh, she will be probably coming on the uh, podcast in the next coming weeks. Love to ask her about that. Matt McGloin just totally losing his cool, but uh, hey, we are officially a Guardians podcast, so we're going to give uh, Matt McGloin a little... Uh, you know, now you benefit went, of the doubt. You went to the opener <laughs> too, right? Yes. Uh, shout out to the New York Guardians. They hooked us up with uh, free tickets to Game One. Mm-hmm. Brock couldn't make it. I took my father. We had an amazing time. The nice. crowd was epic. Good. I couldn't believe how crazy the crowd got. Everybody showing up in their Guardians gear. They already pre-bought off the internet. The lines at at the stands to buy the merchandise were long. Sold out. Racks were empty on my way outside of the game. Wow. People are buying into the New York Guardians, my friend. That's excellent. That's excellent to hear that, uh, you know, people have been going out to it and people have certainly been watching it. And the betting community, on uh, my aspect of it is people are starting to get into it a little bit more. They kind of wanted to just get their, their toes wet in the water to see first week what lines would be like, what the play would be like. Um, and I still see that there's, you know, some guys out there trying to figure out the, the scoring system as far as, you know, placing bets. You know, in the NFL, you have those key numbers, uh, you know, like three and seven. And now some guys are trying to find that middle ground of where the key numbers could be in the XFL. And we're also getting a point where, you know, a lot of offense is trying to find their rhythm. Um, so you're getting a lot of unders so far from what I've heard uh, as far as some of my friends that have been betting it. And, you know, it's still a relatively new market that people are trying to figure out. And, uh, you know, I believe this this past week, Circa had one of their first player props uh, put up on one of the games. So I guess we're slowly getting more and more towards more betting options. And, you know, people love more betting options, especially here in New Jersey. Uh, you know, you go from props to, to to totals to sides to to all that other different type of stuff. And I'm sure you'll find someone to out there to, to cater to in that market. Yeah, dude. Our uh, our friends over at SGP, speaking of the unders, those guys have been crushing it. Sports Gambling Podcast hitting the unders the past two weeks, so it, it might be something we take a look at this weekend. But without further ado, guys, we're going to move it along here on the Wager Pager XFL kickoff show. We got some really great guests. Coming up next, XFL social media editor Bailey Carlin, and then we're moving on to some Seattle Dragons players. First professional players on the pod, bro. All right, here we go, guys. Get pumped, get psyched. It's the XFL kickoff show. Here we go. 
All right, guys, coming up next, our interview with the XFL social media editor, Bailey Carlin. All right, guys, if you follow the XFL on social media on any platform, then you're probably already familiar with our next guest's work. He's part of the dream team making memes for the revamped league, and they are putting out some of the best content on the Internet. Here he is, XFL's social media editor, Bailey Carlin, better known in some circles as Meme God. You guys can follow Bailey on Twitter, at Bailey Carlin. What's up, dude? Welcome to the Wager Pager. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good to be on. Right on, man. First off, you guys are killing it on the social media right now. How does that feel, man? It feels really good. Um, oftentimes, social media is a very negative space, as I'm sure anyone who listens to this or is on social media knows. So to see just the positive feedback of a lot of the work that me, my colleagues, and even just like the fans and the mentions are doing, because like some of the funniest stuff I've seen is just fan user-generated content, and our mentions are on the Reddits and stuff. So just seeing like a very un typically positive aura surrounding everything has been amazing. Hey, Bailey, this is Brock. Uh, Just give us an idea, just roughly, like some numbers here, followers, likes. uh, How have the accounts grown in like the last two and a half weeks since the launch? It's been insane since the launch. And the cool thing is like a sports league of this magnitude hasn't really come to age and just like boosted itself into existence since social media has been present. So, there wasn't really a precedent set and there wasn't really something ahead of us that we could look to and be like, here's what we think we'll do, or here's what we're going to do. So we really didn't have that much of an idea, but in the last, so basically since the launch, we've seen what I would consider, I guess the term would be exponential growth, which is just insane. So I could look specifically cause I was just, as I tend to do tweeting and talking about it today. Um, I mean, we're up hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers. If you talk about across the whole league, which is the way we like to look at things too, because to me, like the team accounts are just as important as the league account. Um, This is where fans are connecting on a more personal level. All of our team social editors do an incredibly good job as well. So seeing them grow, like our specifically one of our biggest markets on social is the Battle Hawks being in St. Louis. They're the only market without an NFL team also there. So they're pushing 100,000 followers on both platforms, which is just insane to see. So I think in the last, like, in the three months, I know at least since I started, um, and it's not like it's just in me, it's me, uh, I work with a kid, Gabe, who's amazing, and then my coworker, Deontay, as well, and my boss, Rael, we're all getting after it. But in the last three months, Twitter's up over 215,000, Instagram's up over 370,000, and TikTok was, like, conceptualized during this time. So that's up over 300,000 now, which is the most exciting for me, because that's what I spend a lot of my time on. <laughs> wow, dude. So tell us, which meme has been most successful so far? Is it a Homer J. Simpson's PJ Walker thinking cloud, the, the Westminster dog show one? Tell us. I think the most, my, my, can I go with what I'm most proud of first? Yeah, Double. dude, definitely. All right. Most proud of would be that Westminster dog one. Cause that one cracked me up. <laughs> was also like technically, cause I'm not the guy decent Photoshop and video editing skills, but I'm by no means like professional in either of those spaces. So, That one took me probably like two and a half hours to make when it would take someone who's much more skilled than I am, probably about 15 minutes. But that one would be the most, the one I'm most proud of. 
ironically enough, the meme that did the best for us, and this is what I find like working in the internet space is sometimes the lowest effort, lowest budget looking stuff uh, does the best. So like our highest performing one was like that classic Snoop Dogg meme of like him holding up a little post-it note. And all I said was XFL tomorrow. And that one got like 70,000 likes for us or something. And I made that on Snapchat on my phone while riding on the subway to work. So that was pretty funny. That's amazing. That's crazy. I totally retweeted that one. (laughs) Yeah, the reviews have been great so far for the league. Uh, The TV ratings and attendance have been good. Can you talk a little bit about that for some of the listeners out there? Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, same kind of deal, the reception that I talked about. Otherwise, people are watching, um, people are enjoying, people are engaging with the product. And that's the nice thing about working on socials. You have something good to say about something. You can either talk to your friend about it or shout it into the air in your room that you're in. But generally, you're going to go take to social media and you're going to pop in and say, yo, this is great. Like, we're loving this. I know I, when I view sports, I see a big play in a game and I immediately go to whether that's the NBA the NFL, whatever it is, I go to their Twitter account to see, you know, what are they going to, and this is definitely a result of me working in the social space too, but I go in and say, what are they going to do with this? So knowing that we have that little bit of time period where, okay, someone saw this awesome plan TV. Now they're going to go look at us and trying to do the best possible thing I can with that has been awesome. But just seeing the positive reception in general for people, seeing the accounts grow, knowing so many people out there just watching and enjoying is honestly, it's just an unbelievably good feeling because for a long time, I mean, not that long, not as long as some other people have been working for the league, but for months I was putting stuff out there and just not that many eyes were on it because the attention wasn't quite on the league yet. Other, other things were in season, other things were happening. So now having content that people are engaging with more and having actual football to tweet about rather than just whatever else you tweet about in the offseason has been a blast. Very cool stuff, guys, from Bailey Carlin on the Wager Pager podcast. You guys can follow Bailey on Twitter at Bailey Carlin. All right, dude, let's backtrack a little bit now. Um, Let us ask you, how did you first get involved in sports journalism and what led you to working in social media for the XFL? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually went to SUNY Plattsburgh, which is just a state school in New York. It's by no means like a journalistic powerhouse. Um, And I studied newspaper journalism there. I was involved in a school paper. uh, Pretty much just, I I tend to get myself involved. So just kind of freelance for the local newspaper up there and just got really fell in love with writing and but towards the end of college I just kind of had a panic moment when I was like uh, I had a not great experience at a local paper internship it was just like a really bare bones staff a lot of staff got laid off I had a lot of people in my ear talking about the journalism industry and how I shouldn't be going into it so I kind of listened and panicked and got into like this master's residency teaching program and became an English teacher and did that for a year Uh, But while I was still teaching, I still had kind of the journalistic type bug. I was still making memes, which is a hilarious thing to say like that. That led to my job. But in my free time and for this blog, uh, the Knicks wall, a New York Knicks blog. And through that blog, just kind of made some connections on Twitter, built up my follower account a little bit. And the kid, Kenny Ducey, who works at Sports Illustrated, and I were chatting via DM on Twitter one day. And he's like, you ever thought about working professionally in social media? And I was like, man, I went to journalism school and I didn't even really know that like was a job. I wasn't sure that you could just go and do that. I knew that's an aspect of journalism. So that led to further conversations there, led to an interview, and then eventually led to me leaving my teaching job after the after finishing teaching that year to go move down to the New York City and start working in social media for Sports Illustrated. 
Excellent. Quite a uh, story on how you got here. And, you know, great to hear, you know, the success that you've already had so far uh, with doing this. Um, You know, real quick, Bailey, what do you think about the league's willingness to embrace legal sports betting? Because, you know, we've had a couple of these other leagues just kind of quietly put out this stuff that they're, you know, having partnerships with some of these casinos and stuff like that. But you guys have actually fully embraced it. These other professional leagues aren't putting over-unders on the screen. They're not looking at live lines during the game and stuff like that. I mean, what's your, what's your whole feelings on that? Was that kind of part of the pitch? It, ne- it wasn't necessarily the part of the pitch given to me because I did work heavily uh, with the Sports Illustrated SI Gambling when I was at SI. I ran that Twitter account. I was a quote-unquote like college basketball gambling expert for them briefly. I was not an expert by any means, but I was doing that for a little bit. So it wasn't necessarily part of the pitch for them to get me on, but it was something that I had read about in my own time. And knowing, I mean, I think there's a lot of innovative stuff going on with the league. There's a lot of things that we're able to do and just dive into and new, new stuff that we're trying out. So knowing that gambling was going to be one of those things and knowing the passion and the amount of people who just feel like, who know, like, you know, when hundreds of people, hundreds, when millions of people are watching a game and everyone knows that the spread is on the line at this last play and then it happens and you don't hear the announcer say anything about it and you don't hear anyone comment about it. I just always felt a little disingenuous to me. The announcers knew it. I know it watching it. A lot of the time, the players probably even know in their head what's going on with that. So knowing and just being able to acknowledge it, I think, brings kind of like a whole nother set to the game and just a whole nother aspect because everyone knew about gambling. No one was in the dark with that, but everyone just kind of ignores it otherwise. So I think leaning into it's pretty cool. Yeah, man. Uh, totally cool. Obviously, being a sports gambling podcast, we are super interested in covering the XFL from that angle. Um what about in terms of, of the league moving forward? Like, do, do they educate the players in terms of sports gambling? What about the, the employees of the league? Um, I'm sure there must be some uh, gray area walking on eggshells since it's so new and something that, that used to be uh, somewhat taboo. I, I can't speak personally to uh, the players and like the situ- situationally what they are, were talked about with it. Obviously, no gambling is allowed, and I myself uh, cannot and would not even want to um, – just well, I guess I would if I wasn't working for the XFL, but I'm not <laughs> ourselves. We uh, employees aren't allowed to gamble in the league, and we went through like our own kind of gambling policy training in terms of what's allowed, what's not, in which way are we allowed to discuss it, which way are we kind of framing everything? Um, because again, the gambling is no different than it is on any other sport. It's just we kind of are publicly embracing it more, but the policies behind the scenes are the same that you'd see with any other league. Well, uh, what about in the terms of uh, future content that you see yourself producing? Do you see yourself producing more stuff that uh, has to do with like sports betting and the spread and over-under and stuff like that? Absolutely, yeah. I think the biggest piece of content attached to it that you mentioned already is the fact that on some of our broadcasts, the over-under and the spread's right there. And even the broadcast that where it doesn't exist for the entirety of the game, it's still mentioned, it's still talked about, and it's still on the screen. So I think Sometimes all you need, and I think this is the power of social media too, sometimes all you need is a screenshot with, ooh, spread, or wow, this was a close one, or every single game hit the over today, or every single game hit the under today, or home teams covered. So I think naturally gambling leads to, like you you like to try to spot trends. So since we are only approaching week three, it would be, I think, a little early to go and comment on a lot of trends and stuff. But DraftKings, who's a partner of ours, and FanDuel, who's a partner of ours, has been doing awesome daily fantasy sports stuff as well as putting out 
it's their the system that they operate in, you know, assigning different dollar amounts to players and different gambling amounts to each guy. I think their ranking systems and having these gambling ranking systems accompanying all the other just kind of non-gambling sports writers ranking players. I think it's interesting to kind of see the dichotomy there too. And I, I definitely want to do more content directly connected to gambling. Yeah, that was kind of going to lead into my next question. I mean, what do you think is on the horizon for, let's say, you know, we know this is the, the first year of the relaunch here of the XFL. I mean, from a gambling standpoint, I mean, where do you think the, the ceiling goes here? I mean, do you, I mean, we're going to get maybe more, uh, you know, legalization in different states and stuff like that. But as far as the league itself is concerned, any type of idea on where they're heading? Well, I think to use like an incredibly overused and cliche term, the sky's the limit with it. I think the entire gambling space, which obviously you guys are aware of being a gambling podcast as a whole, no one really knows what the ceiling is here. No one really knows like where all of this go, how big it could be, you know, even to look at like Barstool Sports and them recently having a gambling company and their giant gambling partnership that they just formed, which is now fundamental to their entire brand. Companies are embracing it. Everyone's going to embracing it. It's going to be embracing it more. So I'm honestly really glad that we seem to have a head start there because I think we're going to have the edge the bigger it gets to be able to do even more with it because we're doing about as much, if not more, than anyone else right now. Right on, Bailey. Couldn't agree more. That's why we love having you here on the show. Uh, so the XFL obviously gets branding. Any thoughts on the Bud Light helmet stickers that Dallas Renegades wore last week and... Any thoughts on the locker room seltzer celebrations we've been seeing? I'm into it. I mean, I think it's great. I think there's, it's funny to hear like, you know, there's the classic, like my dad stereotype of spike seltzers and, and like alcoholic <laughs> seltzers and be like, Oh, that's not a very manly drink. So seeing like the epitome of like a manly giant masculine dudes just going nuts for it in the locker room afterwards is one awesome <laughs> content and has been some of our best performing content, especially week one the battle hawk celebration that went i'd consider i i tend to not use the term viral very often because what is viral but i'd say went pretty viral for us getting millions and millions of views across every platform i just think it's i think it's hilarious i think the guys love it i think it's goofy but also genuine and also those are delicious so i have no <laughs> complaints on that end <laughs> yeah from what i hear uh bud light didn't even like make the players do it they kind of just put them there and then the, everything just happened organically right a lot. I, it's a beautiful, I think any partnership in which the guys actually want to be participating in it and anything, anytime you have a brand and you have a product that guys actually enjoy and actually want to kind of go nuts with, that's the best. And the guys have really ran with it so far. Bailey, is there anything that they kind of told you as far as being off limits? I mean, you know, we see that the reporters are kind of, you know, going up to players on the sidelines, talking to them. They're in the locker rooms. Has there been any type of areas where anybody has, you know, any teams brushed back on any of this type of stuff? I think every single player, every single coach, every single uh, editor, anyone who works for the league understood and was kind of got the understanding when deciding that they wanted to either play here, coach here, work here is, when the president of our company, when anyone, any spokesperson, any commercial says like unlimited access or unprecedented access or promising the fans that it's going to be as much fan activity, you're going to get access you haven't got before. I think they understood that everyone meant that when they said that. So it's definitely going to be interesting at times. And it's <laughs> going to be something that's unfamiliar for the coaches, unfamiliar for the players. But I would say in terms of content on my end, it's just any more content it always yields a better product. So having a larger amount of things to pull for, like week one, one of my favorite moments was Jamar Summers, who's a defensive player for the Guardians, ran over to do his post 
turnover. He had just uh, intercepted the ball and or something, made a big play. I forget exactly what it was. Goes to do an interview. The broadcaster goes to interview, interview him, says, hey, what do you think about that play? And before she can even finish, she's like, sorry, got to go, and literally ran back on the field. <laughs> so I think that kind of thing creates funny moments naturally. It's going to create some awkward moments too, but it's what everyone signed up for. So. Yeah, dude, some very interesting moments already, just two weeks in. Um, all right, let's transition here and uh, talk about these teams two weeks in. Uh, we'll start in the East and kind of move down the standings. The D.C. Defenders, bro, 2-0. and Head coach Pep Hamilton, who has been amazing on the sidelines with the uh, kind of behind-the-curtain stuff, watching them call plays and talk to players live on the field. You got QB Cardell Jones has been the league's best performer outside of Houston's P.J. Walker, Texas Ranger. And they have a plethora of weapons on offense, and the defense has been one of the best in the XFL. Thoughts on the defenders? The defenders are fun from a football perspective, from a content perspective. My buddy Ryan's their social media editor, and I think he does an excellent job as well. He's definitely um, – and that's the nice thing about working in social media when you're winning, too. He's had the benefit of those 2-0 and weeks to really be able to have fun. Everyone's happier when you're winning. Pep is – we just released something yesterday, which was like a mic'd up everyone, a kind of a sampling of everyone that we've had mic'd up. And he's just such a good sport. He's so funny and so good and just very cool, just a very cool dude. So having him out there is great. DC's a blast. DC, their colors are good. Their logo is good, which I can honestly say I feel about every team. But they've been so much fun so far. It's nice to have Cardell who's one def- definitely one of the more recognizable guys from the beginning in terms of just like general population of sports fans. So watching them be good has been a treat. All right, going on to our next team here, uh, the St. Louis Battlehawks. They're at 1-1. One and one. Uh, Their head coach, Jonathan Hayes. Of course, they have the, uh, the QB there. Uh, Jordan Tamu has been awesome. He's the league's third-ranked passer and third-ranked rusher. Uh, running back Matt Jones is the XFL's leading rusher. Defensive solid. Any thoughts on St. Louis? St. Louis is equally fun, too, and I talked a little bit earlier about the passion of their fan base that we've seen from day one. Being the only city that doesn't have another professional football team I think is a huge bonus for them. Their content team's crushing it as well. And they're a lot of fun. I think having a mobile quarterback that can move like Jordan can is really exciting. Uh, they've been they've been a joy to watch as well. Yeah, dude, I'm really big on the St. Louis Battlehawks. Um, I might be interested in putting in a little sprinkle on that 10 to one uh, futures action right now, but uh, we'll talk about that later. Moving on to our hometown team here, we are definitely officially a Guardians podcast. Uh, the New York Guardians are one and one. Head coach Kevin Gilbride. We got uh, QB Matt McGloin. We talked about a little bit earlier. He looked good week one and not so much in week two. The offense overall looked way better in week one as well. Shout out to our guy Colby Pearson. I think they need to get him involved a little more. Uh, Same thing with the defense, which looked great on opening day and then got torched by Cardell Jones and the defenders on Sunday. This team was one of the favorites to win it all coming into the season and are still hovering around fourth best odds to make the championship right now. Can they turn it around after a tough loss to one of the best teams in the league? I think the interesting thing with it only being week two and with it only being week two of the inaugural season is who really knows, you know? (laughs) Who really knows at this point how good anyone is or what's going on? Um, I think McGloin, like you said, he looked really good week one. I think the entire team definitely struggled in week two. Uh, Darius Victor, I think he's technically their backup running back. I'm not 100% sure of the exact depth chart there. 
I think he's great. He's also a content machine because he's just addicted to truck sticking people. Yeah. He's just so good at running people over. <laughs> and he's just, just a five foot six monster of a dude who can just absolutely run people over. Gilbride's a great coach. Uh, I'm also from New York, so I have a little bit of bias there as well. But I, and I know this is this is a bit of a spoiler for the rest of how I'm going to view these teams, but I think it's just too early to know on a lot of them. And I found them quite exciting to watch. And I hope they do have a better game this week than they did last week against the Defenders. And uh, rounding out the East here, the Tampa Bay Vipers, they're sitting at 0-2, head coach Mark Tressman, uh, quarterback. Your guess is as good as mine. We've seen Aaron Murray, Quentin Flowers, Taylor Cornelius so far. Uh, None have had any success. Uh, This team was actually the favorite in the futures market at almost every sportsbook preseason. Anything that you can think of here with with Tampa for why the, the slow start? Can't comment on why they're own two again, still early. I will say, I think Mark Trestman is an amazing coach, and I think he's one of the best coaches I've just seen in general, not even like XFL specific in general, at finding the positive, finding the light, and being positive with guys after games. Some of the content that I've enjoyed the most that's come out is his speech. Like, he has me feeling inspired when he's talking to his guys after a loss, which I think is a really difficult thing to do. So I also love their color scheme. I love their logo. I really love their secondary logo, which is like that sick Vipers head. And I'm hoping I get to head down there at some point because the weather's sick down there. But I think they'll figure it out. Right on. Okay, uh, let's move over to the Western Division. We got the Houston Roughnecks, 2-0. Head coach June Jones. Uh, Everybody knows it. P.J. Walker has been sensational. Probably odds-on early favorite to win the MVP. One player coming close to his level is Cardell Jones, but... It's PJ's, uh, you know, trophy to lose at this point. He could be on an NFL roster next season, in my opinion, if he keeps performing the way that he is right now. This is probably the best team in the XFL all around. Do they have any weaknesses, Bailey? That I've seen so far, it doesn't seem so. I spent a lot of time with this Houston team. Our XFL league-wide training camp was down in Houston. Every team was down there. Uh, just I've ended up spending a lot of time at TDECU myself with this team. So it was also the team that I considered myself the most familiar with heading in. PJ's just a stud. He's real good. He he has a nice flair to his game that I think obviously is drawing fans. And I mean, we posted a video of him throwing that sidearm touchdown the other day, and it got millions of views just because it was so pretty. Cam Phillips pulled in three or eight catches for 63 yards and three yeah. touchdowns last week. He's nice. You don't see receivers scoring three touchdowns in a game very often. So, I mean, Houston is on an absolute tear right now. I don't necessarily see them slowing down. I think they're quite good. June Jones is a great coach, just like all the other coaches are. But he, uh, Houston looks real good, and they're also really, really exciting to watch, too. Moving on here in the West, we've got the Seattle Dragons sitting at 1-1. One and one. Head coach Jim Zorn at QB. We've seen mostly uh, Brandon Silvers and some B.J. Daniels. Uh, this team was picked to finish last in the XFL, but have been surprisingly good so far. They played well against D.C. Week 1 and looked great in their second-half comeback versus Tampa in Week 2. Uh, Shout-out to Kenneth Farrow and Colin Jeter, who are going to be joining us later on the show. Uh, what do you think of Seattle moving forward, Bailey? I think Seattle's a really interesting team. They have a huge fan base. Um, like I mean, all of our teams have a nice fan base foundation right built right in right now, but like every sport, Seattle, you know, famous city for how good and how big their fans are. So it's nice to see the bump that they always get. I think this team's good. I think it's tough for these teams that, you know, are one and one right now, and you're going to wonder which team shows up moving forward. I think they're 
are quite good. I think their defense is big time. They have some receivers who are real good running back uh, who's really good. Uh, you said, again, little back and forth and quarterbacks, but I think they have solid choice at either option there. So I'm really interested to see what they end up doing moving forward because they're, I just think they're a sneaky. They might not be like the most flashiest, exciting team out there, but they just know how to go out there and get it done. Yeah, dude, I agree. Their uh, running back uh, squadron is nice. They kind of have like a three-headed monster working out there. And uh, again, another team I'm looking at that has value in the futures market. I think they're still at like 12, 14 to 1 right now. They could sneak into the playoffs. Moving on here to the Dallas Renegades sitting at 1-1. One one. Head coach Bob Stoops. Uh, the Renegades were without QB Landry Jones in Week 1, but uh, lost a close one to a tough St. Louis team. Jones was off to a shaky start in Week 2 in Los Angeles, but he seemed to turn it around in the second half. This team is still somewhat unknown, Bailey. How do you think they will play moving forward? It was interesting. It's always interesting when a team doesn't have their starting quarterback to start. Um, we'll talk about that, you know, too, with the Wildcats in the second and Josh Johnson. But I think Landry coming back, shaking off the rust a little bit. It was nice to see him out there running, you know, getting out there, ran for a couple first downs. No one would really, I don't think, describe him as like the most mobile quarterback, but he went out there and did exactly what he had to do for his team. He was our passing leader in week two, ended up going out there and throwing for over 300 yards, which was nice to see. Bob Stoops is probably the most recognizable even if you consider all the players and coaches and everything, really recognizable face, proven winner. So I think I think they're definitely a team to keep an eye on. And Cam Artis Payne's very good. And Cam Artis Payne had a really big week rushing for close to 100 yards, which is and a couple touchdowns, which is nice to see too. Excellent, excellent. And to finish out the West here, the Los Angeles Wildcats, 0-2, head coach Winston Moss. Uh, quarterback Josh Johnson sat out week one due to injury, and his week two performance versus Dallas uh, was overall pretty good, especially in the second half, minus a crucial fumble on the goal line, of course. Uh, this team has been in turmoil, though, for two weeks, trading away its best defensive player and firing defensive coordinator Pepper Johnson, which made some headlines early. Uh, can the return of Josh Johnson, who has NFL experience, help turn around their season? I think Josh Johnson is a very good quarterback. I think he's really good. I think they have a lot of assets on this team. Nelson Spruce, their one receiver. It was cool to see uh, Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon were actually at the last game. Todd said he's pretty good friends with Nelson Spruce, which Nelson spent some time with him in the other league, which was nice. So I know they developed his friendship there. He has been on an absolute blistering terror receiver. I think Josh can get him the ball. I think anyone who's in there at QB will do a pretty good job of getting him the ball because he's just good at going out there and getting it. So, like I said, for every team, and this really isn't me just like trying to play down the middle, I think any team is capable in this league of beating any team in any week, which I think is what you want to see, honestly, because it's bound, you're bound to get some good games, and that's the case. Spruce! Yeah, man, he was ripping it up. I was loving that content when the Dallas Renegades player tried to like butt into his interview, and he's like, yeah, bring it to my side yeah, of the awesome. field, bro. <laughs> All right, uh, let's uh, move on to, to week three and just talk about the matchups real quick before we let you go. Saturday, 2 p.m. on ABC, we got the uh, undefeated Houston Roughnecks coming into Tampa Bay. What are you thinking about this matchup? Tampa Bay desperate for a win. I think it's, it's always exciting when you see a team who's currently sitting at the top playing a team that hasn't won one yet. So I think Tampa's, I was watching some stuff with Aaron Murray giving some speeches, Tressman giving some speeches today. I think they're going to come to battle. I, um, I'm not going to pick who comes out on top for any of these matchups, but I do think you're going to get a good one out of them. 
Yeah, I don't know, Brock. What do you think? The uh, Roughnecks are at minus six and a half favorite here. Uh, I'm almost tempted to take Tampa. Seems like there's a little value there, but I'd probably stay away. Yeah, land six and a half on the road here. Uh, you know, for a team going to Tampa, uh, first time, I'd maybe take the home dog as well, Chris. All right, moving on. Saturday, 5 p.m. on Fox. We've got the Dallas Renegades playing against the Seattle Dragons in the uh, great atmosphere up there at CenturyLink Field. What are you thinking about this game, Bailey? I think it'll be interesting. I mean, this is definitely a prove yourself. Like, a lot of people were real high on Dallas to start the year. So is it a, are they going to be the team that they were with Landry? Are they going to be the team that they were without Landry? Are they going to be able to go and up there and get a win? Like we said earlier, like who knows really what Seattle's made of at this point? Who knows what anyone's made of at this point? So I, again, not going to pick, <laughs> but I do think that this will be a competitive one too. And I'm really excited to, anytime you get to see that Seattle atmosphere and how absolutely insane, I mean, their fans have been some of the, funniest fans too in terms of personality they got a bunch of guys who dressed up like dragons they had some guy who was doing some very interesting broccoli dance with some heads of broccoli last week so <laughs> that's probably what i'll be focused on their fans pretty much as much as the game this week speaking of broccoli brock i'm uh probably leaning towards the seattle dragons here in this spot plus four and a half but again uh i haven't gone crazy in the first two weeks we talked about this kind of in the opening bailey uh we're not we haven't gone crazy with betting this league yet we're still trying to get a grasp on it um so it does worry me landry jones looked really good in the second half last week but you know gun to head if i was had to bet this game i would probably take the four and a half with seattle yeah, Chris, and you know, you brought up a good point too, guys. I mean, the the home field there for Seattle was was rocking last week. Uh, could be some trouble for Dallas, uh, maybe getting uh, you know their their rhythm going. So I think I might look to the under maybe in this game. Interesting. Uh, we'll go now to Sunday, three o'clock on ESPN. Uh, the New York Guardians will be heading to St. Louis to take on the Battle Hawks. Currently around uh, nine and a half, I'm seeing on the spread, and forty and a half for the total. Uh, we know you can't comment on that type of stuff, Bailey, uh, but just anything you might be looking to, uh, forward to in this matchup. Looking for, I mean, I just, I, I think it's been an absolute treat so far watching Jordan Tomo play. He, I just, as I said earlier, I love a mobile quarterback. Love when a guy can go and get out there and run. And he's not someone who just needs to escape, like who's capable if he needs to escape. They've been running some designed runs for him, which have had a huge success rate. As you said, I mean, I think he's third in the XFL in rushing yards, which is amazing to see from a quarterback. So I'm really excited to see what he'll do. Matt Jones is a beast too. As I said, Darius Victor is good too. And I think that the Guardians defense will be a little bit of a different defense than you saw last week. All right, Bailey, wrapping up the uh, slate this week, Sunday, 6 p.m. on FS1. We got the D.C. Defenders traveling out west. Their first road games should be interesting to see how they play on the road versus the L.A. Wildcats. It's an eight-point spread, over-unders 44. We know you can't talk about that type of shit, but anything you're looking towards in the game? Yeah, looking for, I think, I think Josh and Cardell are both really exciting to watch. I'm excited to see them go back and forth. Both teams, you know, have had receivers that, really have gone out of their way to make a name for themselves too. You also have the interesting thing of Rashad Ross and Anthony Johnson, who were two of the bigger names, definitely two of the bigger personalities, have both spent a little bit of time in L.A. before heading over to this D.C. team. So, I mean, who doesn't love a good quote-unquote revenge game and seeing guys be able to play, even though it was a short stint, play against their old team. So I'm really excited to see what comes from that. I know Rashad was pretty vocal on Twitter already. So. <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right, guys. Once again, 
That was the meme god, Bailey Carlin. He's a social media editor for the XFL and one of the best followers on Twitter, where you guys can find him, at Bailey Carlin. Dude, it's been a pleasure to finally meet you, and we hope to have you back on again on the show soon. Awesome. Thanks so much. I'd love to come back whenever you guys want. Yeah, Bailey, thanks so much for taking the time to kind of run down things with us here. And uh, we really appreciate you calling in and keep killing it, man. You're doing an excellent job out there and, you know, nothing but the best in the future. Appreciate that. Thank you so much. All right, guys, coming up next, our interview with Seattle Dragons tight end Colin Jeter. All right, guys, our next guest is our first ever pro athlete on the podcast. He's a former LSU Tiger and current tight end for the Seattle Dragons of the XFL. Here he is, Colin Jeter. What's up, Colin? Welcome to the Wager Pager podcast. Brock and Chris here. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Glad to be on. We're doing awesome. Can't wait to, uh, you know... Talk about the XFL with you. We're so excited for the league, and it's been so great watching it the last two weeks. And uh, we just got a couple questions that we want to get into you uh, just real quick. Uh, just a quick little background for the listeners. Uh, you had a solid career at LSU. You're a two-year starter, tight end. What was it like playing for a big-time program in the SEC? Oh, man, it's everything you dream about, you know. You get to run out in front of 100,000 people and, playing big games against, you know, teams like Bama and Florida and, and all those big crazy experiences and it was everything I hoped and dreamed it could be and I just had a blast week in and week out. Hey Colin, you mentioned uh, crazy experiences. Any any that you can share? Stuff that only happens to an LSU football player maybe? <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. We had a good, obviously good times playing in the games and uh, good times after the games too. So it, it was always fun being on the football team. Absolutely, absolutely. So we know that you're in the XFL now, uh, but we know that um, you know you you did have some affiliation with the Colts. Uh, unfortunately, had a, a pretty bad foot injury, uh, and then ended up going last year into the AAF. Um, can you just kind of talk a little bit about the you know the process getting to the XFL? Uh, yeah, man, it's been kind of wild so far. Uh, obviously, came out 2016 was my senior season and went to the 17 draft. Went undrafted, but signed to the Colts, and unfortunately had, broke my foot in training camp. So uh, did the surgery, did the settlement, got released, and then uh, I was with Tampa Bay shortly. And then uh, after that, I ended up signing in the, the new Alliance League. You know, it it seemed like a good opportunity at the time, a league for guys like me to you know get back in and get get back to playing football. But unfortunately, I had a uh, another issue with the same foot, so. I got a second surgery on on the same injury and uh, did rehab on that. Got healed up. Got the opportunity with the XFL and uh, pretty much just took and ran with it. It's, it's been a fun process from the the showcase that I did all the way up to the, the draft process and now uh, training camp and season. So it's been fun and uh, I, I think it's just fun just being back on the field, man. It's, it's been a long time and uh, uh, we've got a bunch of good guys here and, it, and we just have a good time. Colin, you mentioned uh, you experienced that same injury again when you were playing in the AAF. 
Did you ever think that you would make it back from all those injuries? Um, you know, I, you just kind of got to got to believe in yourself and trust in yourself. It it uh, was certainly a long and and frustrating process, just because it seemed like every time I was getting back in the game, something else was happening. But uh, you know, I I kind of gave, gave myself a few year window to to play football, and and I uh, really wanted to give myself a chance to you know see if I really could play and, and have the injury not be a factor. So I, I just kept grinding, and uh, here we are. And now I'm back on the field, and uh, it's like I said, it's been a blast playing again. So, Colin, just to get back to just kind of how you got into the XFL, I mean, how do, you, how do you even get to the point of getting to the trial? Is that something that you get through your agent? Did the XFL reach out to you? Just kind of how did that process all kind of come together for you? Yeah, it, it was just kind of discussed between me and my agent. I mean, it was some of the same thought process as the Alliance was, uh, just the opportunity to, to get some film and get back in the league. But uh, they reached out to my agent and uh, just invited us to those showcases, which were basically just like player combines. And, you know, went there, uh, had to get a workout, and then it was just, you know, waiting to see what would happen. I talked to some coaches uh, before the, in the pre-draft process, and then – uh, the day two of the draft got picked up. So uh, it was pretty similar, I guess, to, you know, somewhat of the NFL, but obviously with the startup league, there are some differences. That was actually my segue into my next question. I mean, we mentioned, uh, you know, at the top of this AAF a little bit. Uh, we know that that didn't really pan out. What's what's the main difference so far between just AAF and XFL? Is it more as far as uh, organization is concerned? Is there some reasons why AAF didn't work, in your opinion, that you saw behind the scenes? Anything you can kind of elaborate on as far as differences? Yeah, I, I, I definitely think it's a lot better organized. You could tell this league was kind of, it took some years to really think and plan it out. Um, I really think the Alliance was just trying to beat the XFL to the punch and get in a season earlier. And, and due to that, they made some mistakes, but uh, yeah, I think they've done a good job, not only on the football side, but on the uh, business side, you know, they've been so much frugal with different things and uh, trying to make sure this, this league lasts. So they made some good decisions. I, I think the, uh, the quality of play is great. I think there's guys that belong in the NFL and, Obviously, there's guys that are from the Alliance last year, but it's a little bit different in the mix this year and uh, high-level competition. Yeah, Colin, I totally agree. I think the gameplay is much better than last spring here with the XFL. Uh, So you guys lost week one to a very good D.C. Defenders team, but then bounced back with a solid effort in week two, beating Tampa at home. What was it like playing in front of that rowdy crowd, man? Yeah, it it was honestly crazy to have close to 30,000 people at a game like that is very impressive. And uh, since, since we, the start, when we got up here, they talked about how uh, loyal these Seattle fans are and how crazy they are about sports. So they obviously showed up, showed up and showed off and it was awesome, man. It was, it was loud and rowdy and uh, it really felt like a home field advantage. So it, it, it made it fun playing in that stadium and uh, we were certainly glad to get the, the first home win. So uh, hopefully we can, come back this week and maybe even have a bigger crowd. So that's the goal, and we just got to keep winning these opportunities when we get them. Yeah, speaking of uh, this week and looking ahead, you guys got Dallas on deck on Saturday night. Uh, Have you seen anything on film with these guys, anything you're looking for? Yeah, we certainly watch film all week, and uh, we're putting a game plan together to uh, 
uh, you know, attack their weaknesses and, and really just show off our strengths. And uh, we've watched a lot. But Dallas has a lot of good things. They have a really good, as far as what I've watched, they have a really good defense and uh, some strong defensive ends. And uh, I think they're a quality team. And, uh, you know, it's going to take a, a high-level execution and effort to come out with a victory this weekend. Colin, just to follow up, we talked a little bit just briefly about film, going back to that. What's your process like now during the week as a member of an XFL team? Uh, is it film on Tuesday? Is it practice on Wednesday? What's kind of your, you know, take us through your week as an XFL player. Uh, it's uh, so it's pretty much every day. So our week starts on really on Sunday, the day after a game. We'll come in and watch film of the previous game and kind of correct our mistakes. And then we, we do a, a light run and lift to, you know, get the body back flowing. We get the next day off. So this week it was Monday. We get that off. And then uh, the process against Dallas really starts on Tuesday. So Tuesday, first practice, uh, start installing the game plan. We watch film on ourselves in Dallas. And uh, that just goes through to Wednesday. Like today, we did the same thing. And then Thursday is a little bit of a lighter day, but still we're going to get into practice and kind of finish up our game plan. Uh, we'll get the afternoons off Thursday. And then Friday is all about, you know, refining the details. And we go in there, do a, a quick walkthrough, and uh, just meet about what our game plan is. And then obviously Saturday, wake up and go get a win. So that's really the weekly process so far. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, now, you know, you guys are playing in these big professional stadiums and stuff like that. Now, you know, we know it's a small league so far. Uh, are you guys, do you have your own training facilities? Are you guys using stuff other places? What, where it's kind of your process for that? Yeah, so we, we're we lucky to be able to, we, we stay at the Western downtown of Seattle, and uh, as far as where we meet and where we work out, it's all here in the hotel. So it makes it convenient. We eat everything here uh the only thing that we have to do off-site is actually go to practice so we we walk across the street hop on a monorail which takes us to uh, a memorial stadium by the space needle and we'll practice over there training rooms over there so you know we just, we just kind of go over there get our work done come back and finish the day in the hotel so it's, it's pretty convenient and uh it's a cool experience being downtown it's a little different for me i'm from the south so i'm used to having a little more space and you know being able to drive my truck and it's been a uh, learning curve, but uh, it's also really convenient for what we do, and uh, I think we did a good job of kind of putting it together. All right, Colin, switching gears here a little bit. Uh, we are a sports betting podcast. What do you think about the XFL's willingness to embrace the legal sports betting? I, th I think it's great, man. I, I think anything you can do to get fans invested in the game, whether that's fantasy football or, or, or betting on a game or whatever, you know, it gets people watching and, uh, you know, whether or not they're supporting you because they're a fan or just because they want you to win for their own, own uh, just privilege, I guess it's, it makes it fun and it adds beers to the game. So it gets our league exposure. And like I said, I'm all for it. And uh, I, I'm interested to see what all they can bet on. Is this something that the league had to like educate you guys on coming into the season? Um, you know, it's somewhat of a gray area, some something that used to be taboo that that's now legal. Uh, how did the legal handle that part of it with the players? Yeah, man, they they sat us down and had a, a meeting, obviously saying, you know, we can't bet on our games and we can't give people insider information. So you know, it's typical common sense things, and uh, they're really just trying to save. Uh, the league's butt and our butt. So, uh, 
you know, it's just, like I said, it's constant stuff, and uh, they're just trying to keep everything clean in-house. Colin, unfortunately, we know with social media, you're going to get people that are, you know, wants to hide behind a keyboard and talk some smack. Have you guys, anybody on the team, have any, you know, gambling implications from people out in the middle of nowhere? You know, you guys didn't cover the spread or you didn't do this or I lost my daily fantasy because of you. Have you had any blowback towards that or any guys on the team with problems like that yet? Uh, you know, I, I personally haven't so far. Uh, and, I, you know, I'm sure some people are here talking to some of our teammates and stuff like that. But that's just how the world works these days, it seems like. But uh, no, no personal interaction so far. But like I said, I wouldn't be surprised. And and I, it, it doesn't surprise me at all that, you know, you got the keyboard warriors out there. That, like you said, they can hide behind a screen and say whatever they want. But like I said, we try to not let, let that bother us and just focus on us. Colin, we talked about earlier in the show about uh, how the XFL is actually uh, putting the point spreads and the over-unders on the score on the broadcast of the game. So, you know, it's out there. Is this something that the players in the XFL are more aware of at this point? Like, do you know the point spread of the game more than you would when you were playing in the AAF or the NFL, for that matter? Um, I think yeah, you kind of run into it, like, on Twitter and stuff. I, I, I'll see it, which is always interesting. Uh, the first thing we saw was just the, our, our win total you know, they had us at three and a half wins for the season. So you kind of see it, pick it up. But, uh, yeah, the way social media is, it, it just kind of spreads that information pretty fast. So I, I'm not surprised at all to see it. Uh, so you mentioned that you're in Seattle. Uh, what's what's it like for you? Like you said, you're from Texas. It's kind of a big difference for you as far as being in a big city like that. Uh, how's the food out there? What do you like to do in your spare time? Uh, you know, Seattle's it's, it's a cool town, man. Like, and I like to it's different. Uh, the sun doesn't come out a whole lot up here, which is kind of depressing. <laughs> but uh, there's great people here, uh, great fans of the game. And there's actually a lot to do if you just kind of take the time to walk around. I, the other day I walked uh, through, you know, Pike's Market and on the waterfront where they have the big Ferris wheel and all that kind of stuff. So there's things around everywhere. And it's the city surrounded by mountains and lakes. Like it's absolutely beautiful up here. But it's just about taking the time to go do stuff. I'm, I'm kind of laid back, me and my roommate, just kind of sit and play Madden for the most part all day. And uh, we have fun, but uh, at, at night we try to go and find different places to eat and just check out the city some. So it's it's a fun city. Like I said, it's different than home, but uh, it's a fun experience being up here. Hey, Colin, one more question before we let you go here. Uh, in terms of like the press conferences after the games and stuff, have, have any of the, the media members been asking you any stuff about sports betting, anything related to that type of thing? Um, I, haven't got, I haven't got any sports betting questions yet, honestly, and uh, I'm sure they're coming, but uh, nothing yet. Uh, I don't know. Like you said, it's kind of a taboo thing in sports, but uh, like I said, I, I expect it, but just nothing so far. Colin, uh, let's talk real quick uh, about the the rules. Uh, kind of, you know, there's obviously blatant differences between NFL and XFL. Uh, is there anything so far that you don't like as far as a difference? Is there something that going into year two you hope gets scrapped? Is there something you hope that gets added? Is there anything like that as far as feedback on rules? Um, I'm trying to think. I, I really like most of the rules. Uh, I, I love the overtime rule. I think it makes it really fun for both the players and the fans. Uh, I like going from one, two, or three. I think it adds a lot of strategy at the end of the touchdowns. And uh, I certainly think the new kickoff rule 
is a lot safer for the players because you don't have guys running 40 yards full speed to come knock your head off. But um, it's certainly the other day it made it a little more stressful having the the last two minutes of the game where the clock stops every play because obviously we had the lead and Tampa was kind of running two-minute offense on it. So that made it more stressful, but I, I think that makes it fun and gives teams a chance to make a last-second comeback, which is obviously what they want. Um, for the most part, I love league, the new rules in the league. I, I think a lot of them are common sense. I love how the game flows and it's not wasted with a bunch of flags and reviews and stuff like that. So overall, I think they're, they're all pretty positive rules. Excellent. Excellent. Now, Colin, before we let you go here, uh, if it's too personal of a question, I totally understand. Uh, but just one of those things, let's take a look down the future here five years from now. Uh, do you see yourself using this as a springboard to get back to the NFL? Would you be completely happy year five XFL? Uh, the league's now taking off. There's, you know, 15, 20 teams, uh, you know, expanding. Where do you see yourself in the future? Um, I think that depends on, on what this league does. Obviously, everyone knows the you know the top of the top is the NFL, and I think a lot of guys are, are doing this league just to get back in the NFL. So that you know, it'd be ignorant not to address that. But uh, you know, who knows what the XFL could become down the road? Right now, I'm just trying to obviously play a healthy season and see what happens. But you know, it's just a big. I, I think it's. A, a little higher everyone like i said it's just the top league right now and that's what guys want to be in plus obviously the pay is a lot different right now at this point so anything you can do to make yourself more money or make your family more money i, I think guys want to be about so that's my opinion now but who knows the, the xfl could expand and grow and you know it could be a dominant league too so we just kind of have to wait and see and see what happens absolutely absolutely appreciate that all right, guys, that was Colin Jeter, tight end for your Seattle Dragons. You could follow him on Twitter at ColinJeter81 and tune in Saturday night on Fox and watch him play against the Dallas Renegades. Thanks a lot for calling in, Colin. Good luck this weekend. We're cheering for you. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Colin. And now for our interview with Seattle Dragons running back, Kenneth Farrow. Here we go. Here we go. All right, guys, our next guest is our second ever professional athlete to appear on the pod because his teammate beat him out by 20 minutes. He's ran the rock in the NFL and the AAF, but nowadays he's a running back for the Seattle Dragons in the XFL. Here he is, Kenneth Farrow II. What's up, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, man. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. I'm here with my co-host, Brock Landers. What's going on, Kenneth? Uh, just wanted to uh, you know, kind of backtrack real quick uh, for the listeners here. You played your college ball at Houston, and you were a uh, three-year starter for the Cougars. What was that like? Man, it was fun, man. I, uh, my freshman year, I got there with uh, Case Keenum. Uh, um, all those guys, man, in 2011, they had a great year. They went 13 and one year, 13 and one that year. So I registered and um, ever since then, man, we really uh, kind of built the program up and I uh, was able to finish out at the Peach Bowl my senior year and uh, just got to see kind of the whole football program just, uh, you know, exponentially just grow and um, new things get put up for us. So that was a fun time. 
What was your NFL experience like, and uh, had you first entered the league, and what teams did you play for, for some of the listeners who might not be familiar? Yeah, so I went, um, kind of got banged up uh, towards the end of my senior year and um, wound up going undrafted uh, to the Chargers. Um, I fractured a, fractured my shoulder blade the first preseason game, um, go out there the fourth preseason game, kind of have a good game, and wind up making the team still and, you know, go through, go through the season till about week 16 and shoulder blade breaks, get put on IR. And then second year, uh, have an ankle surgery. And then, you know, so it was kind of a, a pretty, pretty, pretty steep hill um, for a couple of years there, just battling injuries and things like that. Um, and then finally, once my ankle kind of healed up, was with New England for about 13 or 14, 13 or I think about 13 weeks um, on their practice squad. And then after that, I had went to San Antonio for the Alliance League. And then um, I did a camp with Miami this year. And then now I'm here in Seattle, man. So it's been it's been quite a journey. Wow, man. Spent some time up there in New England. Any uh, Belichick stories or in, any interactions with Brady up there? Oh, yeah, man. It's cool, man. That was, you know, that's a, a culture and a, um environment up there that, if you go up there um, and you don't get better, um, it's kind of on you. So I kind of left the New England Patriots organization and learned a lot of things. You know what I mean? That I thought I, you know, you think you know you think you know a lot, and then you get with a guy like Brady, and you get in the culture of, you know, how Belichick kind of runs that program, and it takes you to another level. So it definitely helped me uh, my time being there in New England. Very cool, man. So uh, once you moved on to the AAF, uh, what was that like to get a second chance at football? No, it was huge. You know, I think these opportunities that pop up, um, they came in perfect timing for me both times around, you know, last spring um, and then uh, coming in again right now. So, you know, if, they, if, they, if the lines didn't pop up, you know, I wouldn't have that opportunity to go and put new film out. And if this year, you know, the XFL didn't pop out, same type of deal and uh you know i don't think people realize kind of how cutthroat and how much of a a business it is uh at the nfl professional level you got to really um be on on top of your p's and q's and also you got to really be in the right situation so uh just the opportunity to go out here and put put your talent on display on a national scale uh it's huge man something that i think all the guys are are grateful for opportunity so now let's fast forward to the XFL. Uh, but let's, you know, before we go into the XFL completely, what are some of your differences so far that you just noticed with the AAF? Was it is it organizations the way that you know the whole product was kind of run? Any any kind of comparison so far that you see between AAF and XFL for the better or for worse? Yeah, I think I think um, I think both uh, both both leagues uh, they've done it they've done it pretty well uh i think the marketing and all of some of the in-game stuff um uh, the xfl has definitely you see a couple of new things new aspects of the game dynamics of kind of from the media standpoint uh, i think the talent level across the board in the xfl uh you see a bunch of, you probably see a little bit more familiar names in the xfl um than i thought there was in the alliance but um no, man, both leagues were good. And like I said, at the end of the day, you know, uh, they were both giving the guys opportunities to go out and play on the field and uh, on a national scale. So, um, you know, going forward, you know, time time will tell how, you know, this thing turns out. But so far they've done, uh, I think they've done a pretty good job as far as 
uh, getting out there and the exposure of kind of what they're doing. So when the uh, AAF had to end up pulling the plug, did you have any idea that the league was going to fold the way that it did? Did like did you see that coming, or what, did it come as a surprise to you? Yeah, no, nah, nobody really knew that kind of came as a surprise. Um, there had been some, you know, little rumblings here and there about, uh, you know, this and that. Um, nothing really concrete, but when when it happened, everybody was pretty surprised. So, yeah, it's, it's a, a unfortunate thing because, you know, um, our fan base out there in San Antonio was huge. So, uh, you know, you kind of you feel bad for all the people who came out and got jobs and, kind of moved away from the homes, people in PR, people in marketing, stuff like that were kind of kind of stuck. So, um, so yeah, it kind of took everybody by surprise. So now we're in this, this first year of the new XFL, and, you know, there's obviously differences in rule changes and stuff like that from the NFL product. Uh, so far, just from you playing in, in two games so far, Anything that you hope gets added into next year? Anything that you hope gets changed? Anything that you really like better about XFL rules than NFL? Anything you could elaborate on? Um, no, nah, I think I think the um, I think the new rules are pretty uh, pretty good. You know, I wasn't so sure about the kickoff going in, and uh, I think it's uh, it's been a little bit better than you know what kind of guys were expecting. Uh, one of the one of the things uh, you know going forward, you just you just hope that the the league continues to grow uh, financially and expansion and things like that, uh, just to make it a big, be able to be a bigger market and and uh, be a bigger opportunity for other guys. Ken, you're with Seattle. Anybody on this team that you already played with, uh, you know, somewhere back in the day, back in the past? Anybody else in the league that you're kind of familiar with, friends wise? Oh yeah, so yeah, there's guys all over the place, man. We uh, we had about six of us here from the San Antonio team. Um, Trey Williams obviously played with him. Um, uh, Evan Rodriguez, uh, all those guys that we were all in San Antonio together. Um, and then guys from other teams, of course. You know, uh, Cardell Jones and him were in the, with the Chargers for a little bit together. Uh, Jamar Summers, DB from New York. Um, Joey Embu played with them at University of Houston, DeWan Hines, University of Houston, a couple of former teammates. Um, and I uh, just found out yesterday that our, our DN uh, Moponga, we actually played each other in high school and didn't even know it in the playoff game. So at Texas Stadium, and he went to Eastern. So, um, so yeah, man, you that's a football that's a football world, man. It's a small world. You don't run into people you know, left and right, that you're like, wow, you know, there's always some connection there. So that's been the cool part of it. Hey, that's cool, man. Must be uh, fun to be able to, to catch up with some of your old boys from H-Town. Uh, speaking of back in the day in Houston, any crazy stories you can share on the pod? Man, shoot, just being <laughs> able to, being able to, yeah, there, there's, there's definitely some crazy ones. But now, man, being able to, you know, kind of go out my senior year and we go to Atlanta for the Peach Bowl and beat Florida State and, we were out there for New Year's and won the game, and you know, what I mean, that was a uh, that was definitely that was definitely fun times down there. Uh, senior year, going thirteen and one, and and uh, having the season that we did. All right, you're gonna have to tell us some other stuff off air some other time, uh, <laughs> Kenneth. You're the <laughs> you're the sixth leading rusher in the league, my friend, averaging four point nine yards per carry. Three of the guys ahead of you in yardage have way more carries than you do. Do we need to get you the ball more? Uh, you know, I don't think so, man. We got a 
we got a great backfield. I think it's super consistent. And I don't think there's too much fall off on anybody that goes um, through. So, you know, 10 games straight, you know, no bye week, um, having the ability to swap everybody out like like we've been doing, I think it's been a, been a, been a really good thing for everybody. I saw that one run you had in the first half uh, last weekend uh, just shot out of, out of the – I like a cannon. I think you trucked that dude. You know what play I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was jumping off my couch. I'm like, that's Kenneth. He's coming on the pod. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Got to make it happen. So back to, uh, quickly to how we talked about NFL for a little bit, AAF for a little bit. What's your, your work week like now in the XFL? Is it more film? Is it more practices? I mean, what's kind of like your, your day, you know, day by day leading yeah. up to the game? Yeah, no, it's definitely, you definitely, you know, you come in, you have, you have your off day two days after the game, um, and then, you know, usually guys are, are starting to dig into the film, and especially, you know, week one, week two, it's like you only got one game to look at, one, if not one game, you know what I mean? So now that guys are, now that we got a couple of games in our belt, there's more film out there. Definitely, the film study is going up, um, and you know, just getting into these meetings, really digging into film and, and trying to figure out what can work best against the opponent um, each day. So uh, just, you know, just normal, normal weekday day schedule, man, practice the film and, you know, making sure you keep your body right. All right, Kenneth, you guys got Dallas on Saturday night at CenturyLink Field. Do you think the crowd will be a factor again? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we went out there and I think they're about 30,000 strong. I, I know they have some some false start penalties and all kinds of stuff, and they came up huge when we needed to them in the in the fourth quarter. Um, the co- definitely just electric crowd, crowd, and you know I wasn't really expecting anything less. But that's kind of what I've been hearing since I got got drafted was, you know, the Seattle crowd, the Seattle fan base is going to come out and support any sports up here. So they definitely showed up and went above beyond expectations. So and we appreciate that, and we need that every week. Yeah, Kenneth, uh, really looked like it was a wild scene over there. Uh, congratulations on the big win. You guys were uh, really getting it in in the locker room with those Bud Light seltzers, getting lit in there, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah, a little bit. That was, that was something new. I haven't seen that too many times before. Excellent, excellent stuff, Ken. Uh, you know, real quick before we let you go, we're in this XFL league now. Um, what do you? What's your your plans for the future? Where do you see yourself in five years? Are you th- going to try to use the XFL as more of a springboard to get back to the NFL? Would you be happy if the XFL blew up and you know more teams got added and this thing really starts gaining some more ground? Where do you kind of see yourself? I think anybody who comes here, uh, obviously everybody's competitor and you want to compete at the highest level. So obviously, you know, if guys can use this as a springboard, that's definitely what we're going to use it for. Um, but at the same time, you know, if, if things do expand, uh, if more money gets put into it and, and things start going that way, then, you know, I think that is an option that each guy is going to have to individually weigh. Me, I have a lot of stuff, uh, you know, going on off the field uh, with my foundation. I saw y'all tweeted that out. So I, I appreciate that, you know, getting the word out on there on some of the stuff that the players are doing off the field. And so um, it would just definitely have to kind of be, you know, one of those things where you sit back and you look at all the options and you weigh down. Uh, I definitely feel like I have a lot more football in me. Uh, so, you know, uh, I would be, I, I'd be excited, you know, to, you know, possibly keep, keep going uh, another round and, 
and see how things turn out. But uh, you definitely just got to weigh your options. Yeah, definitely, Kenneth. We saw that. Uh, we retweeted it out. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about the Guap Foundation uh, and what that's all about? Yeah, so that's uh, it's a we started that in 2017 while I was going through my ankle surgery. You know, trying to figure out things that I wanted to do off the field. And uh, me and one of my teammates from college, uh, Deontay Greenberry, it's actually me, him, and his little brother. And um, so we we started to put together, you know, what do we want to do off the field? And I think one of the things that kind of hit us both, you know, close to home was being able to have an opportunity for kids that are less fortunate in in your city communities and don't have, you know, some of the things that um, other places have. um, Give them some type of platform, some type of opportunity to be able to, succeed and 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 get things done that they want to get done um so we put together kind of a curriculum and it's turned into a mentoring program and uh we do community events with them just to try to implant those seeds of 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 empathy and giving back and caring about people that you don't know or you know i mean don't look like you and things like that so it's been it's been a huge it's been a huge success and the biggest part is we've we've had about 75 80 kids that you know are are constantly reaching out to us and we have communication with and have been able to kind of keep up with over the last two three years and you know all we you know i think in those situations the only thing you can really hope for is to if if, even if one kid kind of listens to all the messages that you give them and can can kind of change and navigate their situation in life to come out and be successful that's kind of what you hope for that's excellent stuff, Kenneth. Really, really great stuff there. Um, and just to kind of get off of football real quick, since we're already kind of off the football topic there, um, you know, you've been in been in Houston, San Antonio, uh, you know, San Diego, Chargers. What's it like in Seattle uh, when you're not playing football? Stuff to do there? Uh, what's your downtime like? Um, you know, I've, I've actually I've walked around a little bit. I just got across the bridge the other day for the first time over there on the Bellevue side of things. I went and checked out, uh, I think it's Sports sports Performance Gym. Um, huge gym. I think Bobby Wagner, uh, I think the guy Tracy Hess, I think he runs it. Uh, awesome gym. Um, but um, Bellevue is a beautiful place. I'm a I'm an outdoor guy. I like to be out in, in nature and kind of see, and I think this is one of the the nicest places that I've seen uh, as far as, you know, out on the water in the bay and things like that. But, um, and, but even in the downtown area, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool things. I think it's a, a very artistic uh, community. I think there's a lot of talented people out here. I, I know Pike's Market always has somebody, uh, you know, down there on the piano or the saxophone getting down on, getting down on the music. So it's been a, it's been a fun place to just kind of get around to see some things. All right, guys, that was Seattle Dragons running back Kenneth Farrow II joining us on the pod. You can follow him on Twitter at Kenneth M. Farrow or tune in to Fox on Saturday night to watch him slash that Dallas defense. Kenneth, thanks for calling in, man. We hope to have you back again soon. We'll be rooting for you this weekend, brother. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much, Kenneth. Really appreciate you taking time to uh, give us a call here. Oh, yeah, no problem. That's it for Season 2, Episode 22, the XFL Kickoff Show. Special thanks to our guests, the XFL's Bailey Carlin and Kenneth Farrow and Colin Jeter from the Seattle Dragons. Thanks to my co-host Brock Landers, and of course, thanks to the guys here at Van Voorst Films. And as always, good luck, happy handicapping, and may the gambling gods look gracefully down upon you. 
Thanks for listening, guys. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Don't forget to leave us a review. And please tell all your friends about the Wager Pager podcast. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Wager Pager. Also, if you or a loved one has a gambling addiction, don't be scared to seek help. You can contact the National Council on Problem Gambling at 1-800-522-4700. They're open 24 hours a day, and all calls and text messages are confidential. The Wager Pager podcast is co-hosted by Chris Rogers and Brock Landers, executive produced by Van Vorst Films, edited by Van Vorst Films, co-produced by Chris Rogers and Brock Landers, created by Chris Rogers and Mercedes Barba. Music by The Morose Project, produced and written at San Francisco Music Studios. Logo designed by John Carbonella. All picks are for entertainment purposes only. These plays are not financial advice.